welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to another edition of Monday Morning Coffee. I'm your host, Alex Gore. I'm here with Jeffrey, or Jeff, however you want to call him, Pinheiro. Uh, he is the leader in the industry when it comes to BIM and technology, at least for architecture. Um, he has spoken and taught classes at national conferences and is a creator of therevitkid.com, a worldwide resource on all things Revit and BIM related. Additionally, Jeffrey holds a position at a BIM as a BIM manager of one of the largest BIM construction management firms. Welcome inside the firm. Glad to have you on. Alex, thanks for having me, man. Uh, I know you and I have, uh, we connected a long time ago and we've been in and out, but we've never, I don't think we've, we've, we've interviewed each other yet on our show. So I'm excited to, to do this. <laughs> yep. Yep. And if you haven't checked out Ben After Dark, please go check it out. I'll be on in, in a couple of weeks or so. Um, but let's get started back to those early days because it was probably around 2012 around there. When did you get started? Yeah, actually, much, <laughs> actually much earlier. Um, so the the RevitKid.com, which which is a blog um, uh, dedicated pretty much solely to uh, Revit tutorials and tips that I started back in 2009 is actually the first post. Um, the very first post I did was 2009. Um, 2012 and 13 is is when I when I um, was the first time I put out um, full length sort of courses um, from it. But for those first three to four years, it was just uh, you know, free Revit tutorial tip content. Um, and you know, that, that kind of continued even after the courses, but yeah, it, it was 2000, 2009. Um, and, uh, at the time I was probably about maybe a year and a half into using Revit at that time. Um, and it was really, um, it's an interesting story because I'm sure lots of folks out there can relate. Um, I was in studio, uh, uh, architecture studio, and, uh, um, you know, I, I, I was extremely proficient in AutoCAD. Um, I, I worked at a, at a firm, um, from a young age, uh, uh, that pretty much primarily digitized hand drafting was kind of what we, we started doing. So I, I got, I was, I was good at CAD, but, um, but we, we saw this Revit thing, um, and, um, as a firm, you know, who, who did a lot of digitization, you can start to see the benefits of the efficiency of documentation with Revit, as opposed to CAD. Um, even things like just um, organizing view references and section cuts and railings, not having to trim thousands of, of balusters and stuff like that. Um, so, so we got into learning it. And then I, I eventually, um, in 2008, Revit um, introduced rendering into the software. So for those that don't know, uh, pre-2008, Revit did not have any rendering capability within it itself. Um, so you could do 3D modeling, you could do documentation, but you couldn't do any any like ray chase type, type of renders. Um, so when that came out, I thought this was a perfect opportunity now to start trying this in studio, uh, you know, for, for school. Um, until then, I was doing, um, you know, AutoCAD for plans, sections, elevations, um, and then either SketchUp or, v or, or 3D Max with like a V-Ray or some sort of rendering plugin for my, for my renderings. Um, and so it was sort of like a win-win a for me. I, I was like, I can do my plan sections, elevations, and my model all in the same place. Like, this is so cool. Yeah. Um, and, and the second I, I did my first presentation, my thesis or my uh, uh, studio presentation, I got a ton of questions from, you know, fellow students. 
And, uh, and the blog was actually um, my way of answering some of the questions without having to answer the same questions over and over again, because, you know, naturally, a lot of the questions were very similar. Um, so I would just record, record a video, um, post it on the blog. And then when I got the same question from another friend, I would just send them a link to that video <laughs> to say, here's the answer to the question. So I don't have to sit down and show you again. Do you think that because it's, it's pretty entrepreneurial, but did that just come from literally like not having to do it again? Or was it like a two birds, one stone kind of scenario is like, okay, I can answer these questions. And in the back of my mind, I might build it up to something. You know, I don't know. I think the first, you know, I never even imagined that uh, the blog would be any type of money making uh, a, a project or anything like that uh, until probably 2012 or 13, uh, which is I think when you and I connected as well. Um, and so for, you know, for four years or so, um, there was no, absolutely no thought in my mind, I don't think of, of the, the potential or possibility of, of making money um, from, from, from the blog, but um, there was definitely an efficiency of, of, of not having to answer questions a bunch of times. Um, and um, I was honestly just really jazzed up about it. Uh, it was um, there at the time, I think is when um, some of the, the, the Revit bloggers, as, as we know today, um, that a lot of people may be familiar with, like Steve Stafford. And there's this guy, Greg down in Florida, who doesn't do it anymore. Um, uh, even Paul Albin, like, um, you know, a lot of these characters were, 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 um, were blogging about it. Um, and so their perspective was not the same as mine being a, a you know, 17 year old or 18 year old in, in, in school as an architecture student um, to how I saw the value of Revit. So uh, to me, it was just kind of joining the fold of, of sharing this awesome tool um, and, and sharing it with the world. And, and I, I really don't, I, I, I think back to this a lot and I don't know, I'm not sure what the motivation was. The more I think about it, maybe it was the 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 motivate. I, I think if anything, it was probably just the, the motivation of just being jazzed up about this software and and having a place to 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 talk about it. Um, obviously, you know, seeing what at the time social media barely existed, if it did at all. Um, YouTube was honestly barely even existing at that point in time, um, so it wasn't necessarily about clicks and shares. It was. Um, I would say probably the only, the only uh, motivation on my end was probably just website views, <laughs> right? Uh, blogger, blogger.com views, which which just feels good, right? To see, to see people actually viewing your stuff and getting you know uh, shared maybe by some other content creators. But um, yeah, it, it was. I think I do have that mindset that you're talking about. Um, obviously, from from all of the projects that I've I've done over over the years now, that sort of entrepreneurial mindset. At the time, it was never a, a money entrepreneurial thing. It was more of a, a sharing, teaching, um, and just general passion, excitement about something. Yeah. How has it grown since then? Wh what was your decision then to 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 make some courses, and and how has it grown from there? Yeah, sure. So it, it's funny because it kind of it, it's it's always paralleled my my quote unquote day job. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, as I mentioned, I, I I started working. I went to a technical high school, and so for anyone not in the United States or in in, in area where maybe you have those, um, a, a vocational technical school uh, is is where you can actually learn a trade while you're in high school. Um, and and um, technically, you know, depending on what the trade is, if it doesn't require postgraduate 
studies, then you can roll into like an apprenticeship. And let's say you're an electrician or something. It's a great way to sort of get your high school education while also learning trades. And so, um, you know, my school had uh, 12 or 14 different trades. And one of them, there's a couple that would be, you would consider sort of professional post where, where you, you kind of had to go to college after the fact. Um, and one of them was architecture. And so um, I was fortunate enough to actually start studying architecture while in high school. Um, and part of that is a work study program where you can team up with local firms and actually work there. Once you turn you know, 16, you could drive and get a job and you know, all that stuff. Um, and so I was actually working um, you know, from 16 on. Um, the only jobs I've ever had, the only W-2 jobs I've ever had my entire life have been in the AEC industry. Um, so um, so with that, I've, I've you know, paralleled really the Revit kid paralleled with, with what I was doing in my professional, um, career. And so, um, you know, over time evolving, um, you know, I, I continued, continued producing tutorials and videos and, and, and sharing anything new I would learn as I was excited going through it. Um, I went from the smaller firm to a larger firm that was, um, um, you know, basically from doing, let's say houses and, and maybe small, small commercial work to now large schools and, and, and working with, um, you know, larger project stakeholders like Board of Eds um, and also integrating with A&E and, and structure much more, right? And and, um, and so from there, the content, I think, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> no, a quick question, because it, 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 your jobs are paralleling. Where did you mm -hmm. go to college? Was it typical architecture or was it more drafting? And did your it, jobs? No, it was typical architecture. So so I went, um, so, so I, I went from high school, I actually went to community college for, for three years. Um, part of that was I couldn't make a decision on the three or four architecture schools that I that, that I was applying to. And the one uh, the the one more locally in Connecticut that I wanted to go to um, was in the process of getting accredited. And I always knew I wanted to get my license. It was just one of those things, no matter what I say, that I, like the end of this journey that started when I was 16, it needs to end with me having my license. It didn't even matter at this point what it took or what the you know what I would do with it after the fact. It was just one of those things where I was determined as you know I started here and and this is where I wanted to go. So I had to go somewhere that was accredited, right? Uh, and 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 be able to use you know use that degree to to then take tests and so on and so forth. Um, so I actually went to um, community college, which I highly suggest for anyone trying to figure out their pathway, um, just for the sake of the cost of school in the United States. Um, I saved a ton of money going to community college. And and to be fair, the education was very good there. Uh, as far as the core curriculum, algebra is algebra, man, wherever you take it, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I got to bang out, you know, 60, 70 credits at a much, much, much lower rate uh, than, than I would have. Um, but at the same time, I also uh, took an architectural technology um, associate's degree there. So I was focused on that. And I also um, minored in construction management, which is like a, a separate, so I kind of, I actually got two associate's degrees when I was at the community college. What was nice about that is it, it, the only difference was it kind of forced me to not just take the building technology classes and the, you know, that building science classes, but I had to take a couple of business and finance type of classes. That was kind of the only difference between construction management and architecture at that school. So it was actually down the road, it actually um, became pretty, pretty valuable, but long story short, while I was done with, once I finished um, the community college, uh, the, the University of Hartford, which is here in Connecticut, um, they received their accreditation um, for, for, from NCARB. So, which means for anyone not familiar, that means when you go to that school, it, it goes towards your, 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 
your uh, your ability to be licensed, you kind of have to go to an accredited or to get a degree from an accredited institution. Um, so uh, it was an accredited master's, um, which you know, uh, you know, as as you're looking through what you want to do, there's a five years bachelor's, there's some that have a four year bachelor's, there's some that have a, a four plus whatever. Um, and so, you know, I wasn't necessarily uh, fully the the idea of a master's didn't really make a huge difference to me, other than. I, I enjoy teaching, as obviously everyone can tell if you followed me over the years and what I'm mentioning right now. Um, and having a master's degree is very helpful if you want to sort of teach at a university level. Um, so it was that, that kind of helped guide me towards that. It was a it was a four plus two accredited program at University of Hartford. So it was four four year undergrad, two year master's, so six years in total, and you have the accreditation uh, or the 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 degree that's accredited. So um, my options were either a five-year bachelor's or a six-year master's um, and get the accreditation. So that's what I went for. Um, so uh, so I, I transferred, or I shouldn't say transferred because I graduated uh, for the associate's degree. And uh, and then I started kind of like as a, a junior with a couple core classes I had to redo um, in, in the bachelor's program. Um, so that alone, you know, saving two and a half years of a private bachelor's degree was yeah. was a mat was made it made a huge difference on how many loans I had when I graduated I could tell you that so so anyone thinking about it I I highly encourage you to to, to give your local local community colleges a look um but how that sort of paralleled and I think that's 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 kind of where you're going is how that paralleled with with the Revit kid in my profession as well um is uh I kind of the way I went to school and what I was doing at the time also kind of, I don't say forced me, but um, helped me sort of uh, make some moves professionally too that I might maybe might not have made if I did a different path with with um, with my education. And part of that was, um, you know, staying locally for for a couple of years means I stood at the job that I was at during high school, right? So I didn't, so I was there for for a few more years, um, but then moving up to to go to school in Hartford, um, which is about an hour and a half from where I was uh, currently um, going to school and working, um, you know that that was uh, an opportunity to 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 look for uh, a position in that area, um, and, and and there was also only so many hours that I could get working with my current firm based on the type of work we do for for the intern development program. Um, so that's when I started, um, you know, looking around for 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 a larger firm. So it was like a five person firm, and I jumped up to. Uh, it was 60, I think they had like 65 people when I started there in one office and they had a couple other offices. And so that was a local A and &E firm. Um, the interesting part about how this all parallels is um, they were an A and &E firm that at the time that I applied were, were attempting the transition from CAD to Revit. And so at that point now I'm, you know, probably, I don't know, maybe three, four years into using pretty much solely Revit um, yep. at the previous firm. And uh, and then these guys are you know they're they're basically trying out their first couple projects and um, you know they know about the Revit gig because I put on my resume right and <laughs> talk to them about it and and so it did become sort of an in you know it, it became a way that I can get in get into that firm um, and then I stayed there for almost five six years um, transitioned them to Revit right I was part of the core team that was helping this process of transitioning this firm from 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 CAD to Revit. Um, a great then... idea nugget in there is there's um, some plugins from different websites that are using mm -hmm. AI to generate things. Mm -hmm. And if a student could play around and document that and put that out there, 
it is extremely valuable. These are some that we're looking into and we might use. But if we had four candidates and and two of them were, were hey, either two of these are great, and one of them was that the Revit kid, but for the AI, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a slam dunk. It's yeah. easy. Yeah, it, it's and and again, like I don't know, you know, I can't I can't pinpoint the exact motivation for continuing continuing on posting videos and whatnot. But um, but it did, you know, it 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 definitely. Um, I think the timing of it was 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 well too. Where, um, as you know, two thousand eight, I would say between two thousand eight and maybe two thousand ten is probably when uh, a lot of the firms were were looking at uh you know, the the transition and starting to hear the, the buzz was happening. The traction of of Revit and BIM was was coming into play, and so I think timing was 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 good there. Um, in the sense that I I somewhat made myself an authority just by posting free videos and, and then, and then you can use that um, to get in. But then it was great because, you know, my content, even on the blog, I mean, you can see if you go through, I wouldn't suggest, I mean, feel free. Anyone out there wants to, there's, you know, 1500 posts, so it might take a while, but uh, if you were to scroll through from, you know, in, in chronological order, um, you would see that, you know, the content very much just parallels what I was doing professionally and sometimes in school too. So I transitioned from the smaller firm doing more residential, smaller commercial, um, digitizing, focused on documentation, et cetera, to, to a, a larger firm doing a lot of schoolwork, um, working with uh, engineers in-house and structural engineers in-house and collaborating and, 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 you know, the problems become something a little different to solve on the technology side, um, as well as, uh, you know, the, the design process is a little different when you're working for committees versus individuals and so on and so forth so um you know i think that that i think that helped create or, or maybe it helps um relate the content to different people too yep yep um you started a youtube channel at what time and how do you think of youtube now <laughs> that's a good question it's because it's it's definitely changed um so and the only reason I started a YouTube channel, and, and I think if you look at it, it says it's like, I think I started the channel like 12, 13 years ago, um, was a, a, a free way to post my videos on the blog. Um, until, until YouTube came around, I was using Screencast or some version of, of tech media, I don't remember what it was called at the time, and um, basically just to host videos and then um, link those to the, to, to, to the blog post. And so um, there was... You know, believe it or not, there was no way to really host videos, especially free hosting, um, for for consumption like that on the blog, on a blog until until pretty much YouTube and then Wistia and um, you know obviously Vimeo. You know, there's a lot more now, but so so I started it, it. It was never thought of as a social media platform or a, a way of growing an audience or anything. It was it was literally this is a free area that I can. Uh, post my videos and then just put them on the blog so people can click them. So if you look at the first like three, four years of content, um, there's links or, 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 or they're embedded and those are all screencast.com or something like that if you click them. But then at some point in time, you see they start to transition to, to YouTube. Um, and so that was, that was literally the only reason why, why I did it. Um, and then um, even honestly, until, until probably pre-pandemic. So honestly, only three, four years ago is when um, I started really looking at YouTube as um, uh, almost like it's its own its own thing, like its own its own channel, its own almost website within my 
property of social media, you know, uh, uh, areas. And um, I don't know if that was because of when Google um, purchased YouTube and it became more like a search engine and you started getting SEO from it. Um, but uh, until probably 2019, 18, it was still sort of more of just, I put them up there. Um, I would embed them in my blog posts and yeah, maybe they'd get views and stuff from YouTube, but still it was just a way to, to embed videos in the blog post. And then uh, pre, pre-pandemic, I started using it a little more. You started seeing some traction um, as far as, uh, I don't remember when Google, when Google purchased it, but um, I can't once, you started, yeah. once you started getting like Google search results that were videos, like that's a massive, uh, a huge transition in how you see it, right? If you're, if, you know, until that, right, it would be you Google, hey, Revit tutorials, then you might see a blog post of mine, right? But now if you type Revit tutorials, you'll see a list of, you know, 15 videos uh, that are all related to that and then blog posts. And so it's, you know, a huge difference for that. And then the real transition was, um, was during the pandemic and, and, when I when I started BIM After Dark Live was really when I started to see um, the YouTube channel as as something that can almost live on its own if it needed to. Um, and and uh, I think so. I think I'm at like sixty seven, sixty five thousand subscribers oh, now. Sixty nine. I just looked. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so so uh, when I started uh, the live stream, it was under eighteen. It was like eighteen thousand. Uh, and so. Um, I think that just shows you the difference. So that was 2009. So that was like 15 years or something like that, or, or 10, 10 to 11 years of, yeah, it grew and 19,000 is nothing to bulk at, but like, I just, that was just me, just, that was just videos being posted there. Um, but then, you know, once I started the live stream, um, obviously the pandemic is, is probably, probably has a lot to do with it too, the, the way people consume the content. Um, and then I started really looking at, um, you know, really looking into the science of YouTube as a, as a growth opportunity for, for the BIM after dark sort of, sort of brand content and you name it. And so that, I think that shows, right. That it goes from 19 to to 70 um, in the three-year period versus, you know, versus zero to 19 in the first like 10 or so. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, A three-part question. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're thinking about YouTube, um, when you're making videos, is your thought pattern one of these three options or secret option four that I haven't even mentioned? The <laughs> <laughs> so one is, um, you know, there, there's basically there, there's there's patterns, there's engagement, there's story, there's people you can watch and learn from like, okay, I'm going to create a video in, in this sort of fashion that is not only good for YouTube, but YouTube's goal is to make it good for the people, right? So that's Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Another is, hey, I'm just gonna do what I always did. I'm gonna make a video on whatever I did this week and just put it up. Or three, is there like user generated, like, hey, people are hitting me up on Twitter, or I don't even know, um, Mm -hmm. or in the comments and stuff, and then I'm addressing that. How are you thinking about that? So it's kind of a blend of everything now. Um, You know, for the longest time, it was literally, I'm just making this video and and I mean I didn't even have until until the live streams I don't even think I had a camera uh, on me when I was doing tutorials like the first you know 15 years of videos are just a, a screen cat a screen grab with my voice right um and and so you know it's the 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 mindset always kind of starts there um most of the videos that 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 I create are generated from user user questions um uh some some version of it whether it's on twitter youtube email um discussion i had um or projects i'm working on right that's displaying so and so you know the essence of the content is still 
pretty basic where it's you know it's tutorial videos based on a very specific topic within this very specific um sort of niche um but the you know over time now obviously i'm you know there's 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 this realization that within the youtube realm you still have to do you still have to play by the youtube rules if you want people to see those videos who you believe should see those videos um you know i think I think the most for the most part, the audience um, of Revit tutorial videos is looking for exactly that, right? Revit tutorial videos. And so it's it is hard sometimes to figure out you know what what is what is the best way to write a story around that. Um, and so I think the the most recent series that I did that was not the live stream, but you know video series, which is uh, called the mid-century modern uh, makeover or mid-century modern kitchen series, um, which was an 18 part series I did last year. And that one I think is one that really shows the the blend of of all that you're talking about, like all, all three ideas. Um, and so basically what I did there is I took a, a real residential project that I'm working on with a real client, um, clients. And, uh, and I basically just recorded I screen grabbed my entire Revit side of it and technology side of it, whether I was scanning with, with my phone, whether I was um, using Photoshop, whether I was using you know, Revit. I just recorded all that during the process. Um, and then I went back and I narrowed it over and then added content content in between, right? And so that became more of a, a story base of, of start to finish. Here I am measuring existing conditions of the kitchen. I'm draw. I'm modeling those existing conditions. I'm sketching the the idea. I'm going. And it's the whole process, and 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 that one is one where I definitely thought, tried to think outside the box more of 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 a storyline for each each sort of video, um, as opposed to just um, you know, hey, here's how you model X, Y, and Z in Revit. And I think both are valid, right? Because you know, to some extent, a, a lot of what people might want is is what I'm talking about. It's like, hey, I'm. I need to know how to model a, a parametric round window in Revit. They don't necessarily want or need me to have a 15 minute storyline about, you know, I don't know. Uh, the history of railings. There's ways, creative ways you can do it and concepts uh, throughout it. But, but I just think that there's, there has to be a healthy balance because to some extent you may just want a quick four minute video of not, you know, not an intro, not it just, Hey, boom, I'm in Revit. Here's yeah. how you start. Right. And so, but, but YouTube may not necessarily like that, depending on how you know. And so it's been it's been a big blend between them. Um, you know, I've started over the last couple of years. I started focusing more on SEO and keywords and thumbnails and trying to figure out and in and sort of um, you know experimenting with those and seeing if I'm getting different results. Um, uh, and and there there has you know, just the focus on that. There's been a noticeable difference just in views alone, right? Um, in, in the mass of the content that I have. And so it obviously works, but to some extent, um, you know, the content has always been very similar and, and there's only, I mean, there really is only so much story you, you can put behind, like how to make a railing extension in Revit. Like <laughs> that's what it is, right? It's, it's, there's no much more to it. And I know if I did a three minute intro about like, me driving down the road and like, you know, and a skateboard and running into a railing extension, like people probably wouldn't care because they're just there to see, the railing extension how to actually physically do it right and so there's there's i think there's a balance in the type of content that i create yeah absolutely um could you could we kind of pivot mm -hmm. from that and go into what is a bim manager 
and specifically like what is 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 your role how much of it is managing literally templates and files and creating efficiencies versus production work i think i saw recently you were doing something with grading and then mm -hmm. is that typical in a bim manager role um mm -hmm. so for example a lot of people go to architecture schools hey i'm going to be an architect and stuff like that but there's this need for bim managers and i don't know where they come from i don't know how to, what woodworks they pop up um mm -hmm. could you talk about that yeah sure so um it's interesting because um so, so my role um, and what I do is is wildly different than what a big manager at an architecture firm would do. Um, so I'm I'm you know uh, and, and we actually um, on the construction side we even, we even pivoted from the term bid manager to um, to VDC is is the term that we use, which is virtual design and construction. Um, and so we've even shifted a little bit there, which is which is kind of interesting. But um, but I can try to answer both for you because I think you know what I'm currently doing at a, a a multi-billion-dollar construction management company um, as as a manager of of VDC and BIM um, is is pretty different than what a BIM manager at an architecture and engineering firm would be doing. Um, uh, I we you know as a construction manager we're not unless it's a design build or there's very specific um, things going on we're not necessarily producing construction documents right so so the use of BIM and models and and, and Revit is um, is much different than uh, than the end goal of most design firms, which is producing a set of drawings, right? Um, so with that alone, I think um, you know the 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 differences are more of my my role is is we're trying to we're, we we strive to figure out the best utilization of the models when it comes to the execution of work. So you know we're. I'm constantly trying to figure out different ways to physically, to physically, I guess, virtually use the model um, um, to 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 perform things like, you know, concrete and whatever the heck it is we're doing, right? And so there's a different different mindset than I'm trying to figure out how to make the most efficient set of documents from the model while producing a good model while being coordinated and blah blah blah. So so I think um, when it comes to the design side of things, um, you know, I think naturally. Most of the bid managers come from the the Revit champions of those firms or, or or related firms, and they're the power users who sort of mold into that into that realm. Um, that being said, it's a good question because uh, most of the ones that I know um, that was that was their path. It was they they took maybe a more traditional architectural path. They might have done the intern thing for a while. Maybe they even did job captain, designer, you know, whatever. Um, but they ended up really, you know, becoming power users of Revit or BIM, whatever program they're using. Um, they enjoy it. Maybe hopefully they have a, somewhat of a passion for it if they're going to decide to become a BIM manager. Uh, but then, you know, they sort of naturally are the good fit for you know, like, okay, now why don't you lead this this company and setting up those standards and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's interesting because, the way you ask that is also if you know if you if you structured your journey for that being the end role end case um and not you know taking the typical architecture engineering path and just sort of veering off uh, because you have this passion um what does that look like i don't know i mean i i, I don't know that there's many i don't know how many people are going are going to you know in a freshman in college saying i want to be a bin manager yeah and i don't even know i mean it's gonna probably... be and maybe that's happening right yeah. and so it's interesting when you think about it because that is a little bit of a different career path um 
I think the the more you know about the overall process of architecture, design, construction, I think it'll make you a better BIM manager, not just the software. I think that's one thing that maybe um, having someone going through the typical paths is is beneficial uh, because the just the more you know about everything as far as like why why does the plumber want to model it this way? Why does the plumbing engineer want to model it this way? Why is the architect approaching it this way? Why like it, I think it's kind of have to know that stuff to be able to help set up standards for those things um, on top of knowing the software. Um, and so I, I don't think I don't think you can become a, a, a successful BIM manager if you only know the software. Um, I agree because I was in a state, maybe there is such a course or hmm. um, a degree that is like building technologists. But hmm. my thought is is exactly the same as yours is okay, you might know different technologies and stuff with like that, which is great, but holy cow, the amount of errors and stuff that you could just say like, oh, model it like mm -hmm. this, like, oh, that's not going to be useful. Going all the way to where you are now, like, hey, eventually this might get to some construction people and they're going <laughs> to need to <laughs> right. and And if you just say, hey, this is the efficient way to model it, but it has no information, no utilization is, is, is hard mm -hmm. to edit, you know, um, so it would almost have to be like uh, a degree after you've had three to five years in the in the industry, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I do feel like yeah, I do feel like that's some that experience, the the yeah the 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 building and construction experience and knowledge is is pretty valuable in that. I that and that's not to say that you know if you know. But then again, I guess you know, Revit's one of those software, and, and probably yeah, you probably say the same about ArchiCAD and, and VectorWorks and anything that's considered BIM. Um, it, you knowing knowing construction, like you said, construction technology or building technology or building science, whatever you want to call it, um, and processes and standards. I think I think you're not going to be you're not going to be able to be a power user of those programs if you don't know that as well. Mm -hmm. I think because uh, they're so reliant on 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 the knowledge of of construction to to actually use <laughs> you know if you didn't know if you didn't know what what uh, a fitting you know, what kind of fitting was supposed to go on on this hydronic supply pipe then there's how do you know what kind of fitting to apply to those settings when you're modeling it in revit right or why that fitting needs to be a 45 and it can't go further than 60 degrees or whatever right mm -hmm. yeah interesting um <clears throat> to kind of wrap it up is is there any last thought that you want to get across to our audience and where can they go if if they want to kind of look into your stuff or um you know i wouldn't say get a hold of you you have a, you have a job but but just uh you know connect they can always get a hold of me i you can you can just uh at the revit kid on on twitter youtube um you just google the revit kid if you go to bimafterdark.com um, I do have a, a, a private community um, uh, at BIMAfterDark.com. So if you go to community at BIMAfterDark.com, um, that's an area where we have all my full-length courses as well as um, uh, a, a, a social media style setup, but with only a small group of, of community members where most of, most of us are just architects and engineers and, are, and, and we're helping each other get better at, at Revit, asking questions, so on and so forth. Um, as, as far as just sort of wrapping it up, I guess uh, first, thanks for having me on. I appreciate this. Um, I think we could uh, we we could go down a million rabbit holes. Um, you know, one of the one of the interesting things, um, you know, about I think um, my story that for for future architects, for example, um, maybe thinking about is you know 
architecture school, for example, I feel like it it sets you up for for lots of different paths um, within, especially within the AEC industry. Um, for the longest time, and I, you know, this we can argue about the pedagogy of architecture and the the structure of of what you learn in school versus what you learn in the field and all that. Um, and and I do still think that there's there's quite a bit of 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 knowledge or quite a bit of topics lacking in the in the in the architectural education process. But um, the skill set that you that you learn of problem solving and communicating. Um, communicating visually is something that I think applies to uh, everybody. And the more I think about everything that I do and all the all the different um, successes I've had in my my life so far, whether it's the Revit Kids slash BIM After Dark stuff, whether it's what I'm doing now with 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 Turner Construction, whether it's the residential architecture side of it, whether it's even the the SEO social media marketing that has to happen with it all. I, I, all the skill sets that I have uh, or, or all the successes I have in those areas, to me, the more I think about them, come from that core ability to communicate complicated things <laughs> uh, in, in simple ways and individually. Um, you know, on the construction side, we do a lot of, a lot of it is, is, is communicating a, a written plan or schedule or idea that, you know, a contractor may have written out that we're working with that, almost all human beings wouldn't even understand if they read it, right? Um, same idea with floor plans, right? You know, a lot of people don't know what they're looking at with floor plans. Same idea with with YouTube thumbs and stuff like that. Like all of this is conveying and communicating visually. And so it, it's it's funny when I think about all the tentacles that my career and, and, and profession has taken me in, it does all come back to that core ability to be able to communicate complicated ideas simply. And, and so, you know, I know, you know, listeners of your podcast aren't just students and, 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 and plenty of, uh, plenty of, uh, you know, veterans of the industry, but uh, I do think that that's an important thing to focus on. Um, and then to, to the veterans of the industry out there, I think, um, you know, I, I'm hoping that um, the content that I create and, and, and the idea of, or the ideas that I put forward um, are, are helping show the the variety of of what this profession has to offer um and so uh hopefully I, I, what i've been able to do thus far is that and my final sort of note is you know my my end goal with all of this um with my my sort of the holy grail uh before i before i hang up the the mouse i guess <laughs> hang up the mouse is um you know is is to see see this thing called BIM fully come to the fruition and what we what we know it can be, which would be you know a full a, a full model to construction process um, with the elimination of all the bullshit that our industry has, right? The the uh, the submittals, RFIs, construction documents, specifications. Like you go through the inefficiencies of all of that, and being able to digitize all of this into a model erases all of the headaches that everyone deals with on a daily basis, whether the architect, whether the contractor, whether the engineer, um, you know, 90% of the problems that that we see are, are due to old inefficient processes. And so my end goal and the reason I'm so passionate about this is, is I believe that the idea of them, not just Revit, not 
not whatever program you want to call, but the idea of it is is a solution to that. And so I'm hoping that that we can get there. <laughs> that that was beautiful. Uh, you only forgot the government in the inefficiency category. Uh, yeah, well, it, you know, it, it, if, if you're stuck doing government work, then, you know. No, the, just submitting, <laughs> submitting. I mean, they yeah. are. They, so, yes, I, yes, uh, authorities having jurisdiction are, are, are always going to be, you know, something that we deal with, just like lawyers and contract law is always going to be something we have to deal with. But my, my whole take on that is, um, you know, we, we are the professionals, right? And so um, if enough of us say that this is the way we should be doing something, um, then, you know, lawyers, first of all, are going to, you know, they only write the contracts we tell them to. They amend them the way we tell them to, right? And so we can say it's contract uh, that's holding us back from doing it. But the truth is we can make a lawyer write a contract, you know, however we want. And then the governments, you know, in time, and most of the, the authorities are all, you know, uh, you know, our professionals like us, a lot of them came from the field like us, right? And so over time, um, you know, we, we got to change some of their minds and, and, and see see if we can adjust. It's, it's not going to be easy, but um, but uh, I, I have full full belief that it's it's the time is coming. I think the technology is there. Yep. What I'm seeing from all the, all the sides of the industry that I get to see is I believe uh, the technology is now caught up to the idea. And so now we had to just bring everyone else with us. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. Of course, man. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate having me.